You know what that sound means. It's time for the Michigan DNR's Wild Talk Podcast. Welcome to the Wild Talk Podcast, where representatives from the DNR's Wildlife Division chew the fat and shoot the scat about all things habitat, feathers, and fur. With insights, interviews, and your questions answered on the air, you'll get a better picture of what's happening in the world of wildlife here in the great state of Michigan. Welcome to Wild Talk. I'm Rachel, and hosting with me today are Holly Vaughn and Hannah Shower. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Today, we'll be talking about some of the fieldwork that has been completed around the state this summer, and we'll be answering your questions from the mailbag. Later in this episode, we'll be talking with Kristen Wildman and Ryan Soulard about the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act and also opportunities for accessible recreation in Michigan. So you'll want to tune in closely to this episode because we also will be revealing the first winners of our new Wild Talk podcast coffee mugs. Yes. And we'll also give you some tips for deterring Canada geese from your area. But first, let's jump into our wildlife spotlight where we'll tell you a little bit about the flying squirrel. Michigan has two species of flying squirrels, the northern flying squirrel and the southern flying squirrel. Although without the two next to each other, you might be hard pressed to tell them apart. The northern flying squirrel is the larger of the two and has slightly different colored belly fur. But other than that, it it would be hard to tell them apart. The name of the flying squirrel is deceiving as they don't actually fly, they glide. Bats are the only mammals capable of sustained flight. Flying squirrels have a loose fold of skin between their ankle and wrist on each side of their body, and when their legs are extended, they have a wide surface which acts like a kite, allowing them to glide. Yes, and one of the features that I think makes these animals particularly adorable are their huge eyes, which they use to help them see in the dark as they are nocturnal. Most squirrels will take advantage of the seed available at bird feeders, and flying squirrels are no exception. If you're lucky enough to have a night vision trail camera on your bird feeders, you may have had a glimpse of these nocturnal visitors. Natural food sources for flying squirrels include seeds, nuts, acorns, fruits, lichen, fungi, and sap. They may also eat insects or bird eggs. Southern flying squirrels have an affinity for hickory nuts in particular. Flying squirrels do not hibernate during the winter months. However, during particularly cold or stormy weather, they are likely to remain in their nest. Tree hollows are preferable nesting sites, but these squirrels may build a spherical nest in the tree branches, as do other tree-dwelling squirrel species. And common predators include species like owls, hawks, weasels, and house cats. Unlike other squirrels in Michigan, flying squirrels do not have an open harvest season, uh, so you cannot go hunting for them. And you'd only be able to kill them if you had a permit to mitigate property damage. So like if they were in your attic or something like that, as we sometimes hear with flying squirrels as well as other squirrel species, too. They can get into a little trouble once in a while. Absolutely. Those rascally squirrels. So northern flying squirrels typically have one litter per year and young are normally born in May. Southern flying squirrels will have their first litter in April and May and then a second litter in August. Just out of curiosity, do northern flying squirrels typically live in northern Michigan? Yes, I think um, even though their range overlaps, the northern flying squirrels are going to be in the northern 
portions of the state. Um, and the southern flying squirrels, uh, due to the warming climate, have been expanding their range. So there is quite a bit of overlap, but for the most part, their names kind of dictate what regions they're located in. They're so, so cute. They are. I love when I get trail cam pictures of them. Sometimes people will will spot them at their bird feeders at night, and they're just cute with those humongous eyes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next up, we'll be talking about some of the work going on for wildlife this summer. People of all abilities can enjoy Michigan's wealth of natural and cultural resources. Find accessible recreation at state parks, hunting areas, trails, beaches, kayak launches, fishing piers, historic sites, and more. No matter the time of year, you'll find inclusive opportunities all over the state. Visit michigan.gov slash DNR accessibility and learn how everyone can enjoy Michigan's outdoors. Like many of you, we in the Wildlife Division have been working from home since March, and many of our usual fieldwork activities were paused for a time while we all stayed safe at home. In June, though, our wildlife assistants, technicians, and biologists returned to state game areas to conduct fieldwork. So right now, many are working on cleaning up trash that was dumped on areas um, while we weren't working and also fixing some of the infrastructure like trails and parking lots and signage that may have been damaged um, during that time. And also field staff are working to uh, begin planting food plots for wildlife. I'm sure they're so excited to be back in the fields working on equipment. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, One example of the field work projects going on are up in the northern lower. Our staff have been working on elk range habitat. Um, Through some partnerships, we've got some funds available to us to plant grasses and forbs uh, with the intentions of keeping elk within their identified range. So because elk are heavy browsers and consume a lot of vegetation, we work really hard to make sure they have enough food in their designated ranges so that they don't move outside those ranges and into a neighbor's farm. We will also be using some of those same funds to continue clearing large openings for turkey, deer, and a whole suite of other wildlife species that benefit from forest openings. As I mentioned, staff are particularly excited to return to this work because it usually involves working on large pieces of equipment like brush mowers. Um, And that does sound awfully fun after being cooped up for so many weeks. Absolutely. Um, So we've also have been working with our law enforcement division because we've been fairly occupied with uh, some bear and human interactions. Uh, Now, there have been a high number of bear-human interactions this year because many of the bears have discovered bird feeders and beehives in people's yards. So we are working with those folks to remove those potential food sources and keep the bears at a safe distance for both people and bears. So if you've had a bear visiting your backyard uh, and do have things like bird feeders up, it's a good idea to remove those because those are easy food sources for the bear to take advantage of that have uh, high fat and calorie content. And so they're extra appealing because they're easy to access. Uh, So if you remove those, that's a good first step to mitigate bear problems. I also have some updates on the Reedsburg Dam project in Roscommon County. 
Um, we are currently working on the finishing touches for the dam near Houghton Lake. We've completed the essential safety improvements and improved the functionality for managing water levels on that portion of the Muskegon River. Uh, that's been an ongoing project for a while, so we're really excited to be putting the final touches on it and wrapping it up soon. State game areas around Michigan are open and available for people to use for hiking, wildlife viewing, photography, and of course, hunting. But some DNR facilities do remain closed. So to find that information about parks, trails, harbors, and other facility openings and closings, visit mi.gov DNR and look for the coronavirus info and update section on the homepage. Pure Michigan Hunt applications are on sale now. If you want your shot at what is considered Michigan's ultimate hunt, pick up a $5 application or two. There's no limit to the number you can buy. If you're one of the three lucky winners, you'll get a hunting prize package worth thousands, as well as licenses for elk, bear, spring and fall turkey, antlerless deer, and first pick in a managed waterfowl area for a reserved hunt. Purchase anywhere hunting licenses are sold or online at michigan.gov pmh. Welcome back to Wild Talk. Today we have Kristen Wildman, the Public Land Matters biologist, and Ryan Soulard, a wildlife biologist. Both Ryan and Kristen are members of the DNR Accessibility Team and are here to talk to us about why that is so important. Hi, Ryan and Kristen. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, good morning. Um, so let's start talking about your guys' roles with the division. Uh, Kristen, we can start with you. What does a Public Land Matters biologist do? I am um, one of the public land matters biologists for the Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Division. And what I do is I help the um, wildlife biologists and um, local managers for our state wildlife areas and state game areas deal with public land issues. And so that might be trespass issues, that might be land use permit issues. Um, it might be regarding uh, accessible land, um, acquisition of lands. And so really any kind of uh, land management issue that's at an administrative type of level are the kinds of issues that I help the local area managers with. And my main area of focus is um, Southeast Michigan. However, I do have some statewide responsibilities as well. Excellent. That sounds like a really valuable role. <laughs> I'm sure you do a lot of problem solving then. Ryan, what about you? What's your role? Well, as far as my role for the last seven years, uh, formerly I'm a wildlife biologist, but I cover the privately owned survey program. And what that means is that uh, throughout the state, we have about 325 licensed farms that raise deer, elk, and other cervid species in captivity. And my role is to oversee the policy and regulation of all of those facilities in conjunction with uh, the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. Specifically, my counterpart is Dr. Jennifer Colagero, and uh, both of us work to ensure that uh, compliance and regulation is met for all these facilities for not only the health of their herd, but also the wild herd of deer and elk in our state. Awesome. That sounds like a valuable role as well. Do you enjoy doing that? Yeah, it definitely presents its uh, challenges at times, just like any role. Um, work with a multitude of 
other divisions and agencies from the attorney general's office to the law enforcement division, a lot of other partners involved, including the USDA. Uh, but it certainly has been a very interesting uh, journey and a worthwhile position that I've had the last several years. Awesome. Um, so you both are part of the DNR accessibility team. What is that? As far as the DNR accessibility team, I'll let uh, Kristen speak on it as well because uh, she's been on it much longer than I have. But it is a, a team of uh, various division personnel that uh, I would say really have a strong focus on ensuring that Michigan's natural resources are available for all people of all abilities to enjoy, uh, whether it be uh, state parks, campgrounds, boating, beaches, state game areas, trails, uh, just all across the board. Uh, it's a team that wears a variety of hats and ensuring uh, equitable access for everyone. Yep. And just to add to that is that um, we have representatives from all the divisions on that team. So we are kind of looking at what are the perspectives of each division when we're talking about um, our accessibility strategies. And then also the team sort of serves as a conduit for the um, Accessibility Advisory Council. And that is a group of citizens that is appointed by the DNR director. And they kind of provide us with input from a citizen standpoint on matters of accessibility. And so it's, it's a great opportunity to work with those folks and take their concerns and their issues back to the Department of Natural Resources and our, our individual divisions. So how, how did you guys get involved with the accessibility team? Are you new? Um, have you been there a while? What made you interested in joining? I'm um, actually new to it. I would, I would consider myself new to it. I just started um, a little over a year ago. Um, being a member of the team. And um, formerly, the Wildlife Division had some very long-standing members on the accessibility team. It really started for me when I was a wildlife biologist in the field. I managed areas, um, game areas and wildlife areas in Jackson, Lenaway, Livingston, Washtenaw, Hillsdale counties. And um, several years ago, uh, actually in 2000, 13, a program, a partnership uh, began. It was kind of uh, conceptualized by our former chief, Russ Mason, um, to have a partnership that would work for increasing accessibility, um, promoting accessibility, and providing more opportunities for people with disabilities and our um, wounded veterans. And um, that program originally was focused on areas um, that I had managed and is now the uh, nonprofit organization, uh, Michigan Operation Freedom Outdoors. And so I had a great opportunity to work with several people with a variety of different abilities and different backgrounds. And that really got me interested in how we can serve 
our whole public. I'm personally, I have a, um, a hearing disability myself. I, you know, have family members that certainly have benefited from some of the, the services that we have for people with disabilities. And I'm also the daughter of a veteran. So it was really, really special for me to be involved in efforts that help people get back outdoors. So that's how I got started. And that's why I'm involved. Ryan, how did you get involved with the team? Well, for about the last year now, I've been on the team. My supervisor, uh, Sarah Cummins, she had been on the team and through talking with her and so forth about a lot of my various interests in the outdoors and getting people involved in the outdoors, uh, particularly uh, ones that may have a disability. Um, it just seemed like a perfect fit when she offered that she was going to be stepping down from the team due to a new role she had with a supervisory role and uh, asked if I would like to fill in behind her. And I uh, was very thrilled at the opportunity. Uh, it's something I've always wanted to get involved with more. And frankly, until she talked to me about it, I wasn't aware of the wide scope of things the department had been doing for quite some time to ensure that accessible recreation was a priority for all the facilities of the state. Uh, really, the only thing I was aware of at the time was a lot of the great work that Kristen had done that she's already mentioned. I kind of just observed from afar and was always highly impressed with that. That work she had done in partnership, she had built down there in the Southeast Michigan and uh, just wanted to try and have an impact myself wherever I could. Uh, Growing up, uh, I was in kind of a single parent household with my mom. She's the one that got me into fishing, particularly when I was young. And she's always dealt with a uh, disability that's caused her to not get around too well. Um, that's just continued to get worse over time and so forth. And I've seen uh, struggles and limitations of just when we've tried to go do stuff later on in life. And it's something I've always kept in the back of my mind as well as uh, work with a couple of veterans that are close friends of mine, uh, as well as other people I know that have a variety of uh, various challenges that they have to deal with. And it's just a, something that I thought I could have an impact with to try to make uh, accessible recreation opportunities as good as they can be and have an impact through the department and uh, joining the team. It's been a big learning curve for me, but something that's been uh, extremely worthwhile to see uh, just for this last year of the various things that are offered uh, throughout the department. So I look forward to seeing where it goes from here for sure. It sounds like you both are doing really important and profound work for Michigan's public and making sure people can do what they want to do. So thanks for what you're doing. So why is it so important to maintain access to Michigan's natural resources for people of all abilities. You know, I think as far as the importance of um, providing a priority for both new and existing facilities and experiences throughout the state uh, to make it such a priority is just so that all users of all abilities can feel uh, the same things that everyone else would in their adventures outside, whether it be the waves splashing on a beach on Lake Michigan or going on a, a turkey hunt on one of our uh, state game areas, uh, going camping, lodging, uh, any number of things, 
you know, that's the things that really matter for the experience of getting out there. I think it's just a, a great priority the department has to bridge any gaps that still exist and provide new bridges to recreational access for people so that they can have those experiences just like everyone else. And just to add to that, there are natural resources that are for our whole public. Our public lands are for our whole public. And I think that it's just important that we make sure that we're as inclusive as possible. I mean, they're for everybody out there. And so we need to make sure that if the a member of our public wants to use their resources, we can help them and make sure that they are able to. That's fantastic. Uh, you guys have definitely been doing a lot of important work, and it sounds like it's very rewarding work as well. Um, so I know that um, we've touched on kind of the larger umbrella of accessibility. And I was wondering if obviously there's a, a ton of different things. It sounds like the DNR is doing to make areas and activities more accessible. Uh, could you guys give us maybe a couple examples of some specific things that the DNR has been uh, working on to make our outdoor recreation activities more accessible for folks? So, for example, there are special hunts for hunters with disabilities. Um, we're uh, looking at addressing some uh, deer hunting um, regulations that will accommodate people with uh, hearing disabilities um, that we don't currently um, have right now. And then we also have other opportunities for accommodating people with that might have a, a disability that affects their ability to um, physically access certain areas. So for example, if you need a hunting from a standing vehicle uh, permit, you can certainly apply for one of those. There's um, ORV certifications that you can also get that can help you access some areas with ORVs. There's always a way for us to help you. In some cases, you know, we might not be able to help you do exactly what you want to do if there's a major um, natural resource concern. But normally, uh, the local land manager can work with you on tailoring a permit that will let you do what you need to do to get out to a site. And they're usually very specific you know, what it, they're not going to be, you know, here's the key to all the gates of the game area, <laughs> go have fun um, with your truck or something. But there are certainly um, accommodations that we can make. And that's something that I've done quite a bit in the past and our current biologists and, um, can work with people on site specific things. So a lot of different opportunities. And so one thing that, that we do need to just make sure is that people are comfortable to contact us. And um, don't just assume you can't do it. Contact us, talk to us, tell us what you want to do, and we will do our best to make sure we can get you out there and get you participating in the, the recreation you want to participate in. Perfect. That's great. And uh, just for our listeners, of course, we will include um, links and additional information in our show notes. Uh, but I do want to mention there's a great landing page that we have on our website, michigan.gov slash DNR accessibility. Um, and there you can find all different kinds of uh, accessible recreation uh, opportunities and additional information on some of the things Kristen has mentioned. So be sure to check that one out. 
Yeah, I wanted to touch on that too, Hannah. That's a great point with the the website there. Uh, It's really a great landing page that offers a a lot of things with that michigan.gov slash DNR accessibility. Uh, You could find a portal to learn about beaches, uh, cabins and lodges, camping, fishing, hunting, kayak launches, shooting ranges, uh, track chairs, trails, and scenic sites, as well as a lot of those accessibility permits that Kristen had touched on. Quite honestly, uh, it's one of those things that it's pretty impressive to view on there, and it's hard to pick just one or two things throughout the state to highlight because, frankly, there are some incredible projects going on, uh, a lot of really good accessible things. Being that I live in the Lansing area, one that is close to my home would be uh, the Rose Lake Shooting Range. Uh, It's got Just for example, it's got six van accessible parking spaces, accessible pathways, accessible shooting stations, uh, trap ranges, archery lift, um, accessible restrooms, as well as accessible meeting rooms. And that's one of just uh, several in the state that we have with accessible features. We have Sharonville, Pontiac Lake, Ortonville, Island Lake, Dansville, and Bald Mountain. Uh, as well as I believe there's some that are in the works that are uh, being developed in some sort of the process now. Uh, Another one that I didn't know existed until I joined the accessibility team that I wanted to touch on are parks throughout the state that have uh, actual motorized track chairs that are incredible. Uh, They're an off-road electronic chair that can go through the trails, snow, sand, and believe it or not, even drive into the water up to about eight inches. Uh, These are on a first come, first served basis for the public at absolutely no cost. Uh, Belle Isle has one, Island Lake Rec Area, Mayberry State Park, Muskegon State Park, Tequamanum Falls, Waterloo, and Bay City. And uh, like I say, until you see them, they're really like almost like a tanked wheelchair as far as the type of uh, pads that have on them to get through just uh, anything really. And uh, it's really quite an impressive thing that the department has offered uh, along with cooperation from some outside entities such as I know the one at Mayberry State Park was donated by a group called Cali's Cure. And uh, there's the wish to get a lot more of them uh, across the state because looking at it, Tequamanum Falls, Waterloo, those also have been through Cali's Cure. But again, those can all be found at uh, the short version would be mi.gov slash DNR accessibility. Yeah, that list of activities and locations just seems to go on and on. It's it's really impressive. It, it seems like that was a pretty comprehensive statewide list too. So no matter where you are from or where you want to hunt, there's probably an area that has some accessibility to it or if not, You can contact the local managers and we can try to accommodate a situation for you. And that's pretty remarkable. It's kind of insane to think that this is already July and that the hunting season will be upon us very quickly. It seems like this year is flying by. So if anybody's listening and you're thinking you want to get out into an area this fall for the hunting seasons, please don't hesitate. Reach out to us. It sounds like these folks can kind of make something happen for you. Uh, So another thing we wanted to touch on was uh, this year is the 30-year anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, 
And we were kind of wondering where people could learn a little bit more about the anniversary and if there are ways that they can get involved in the celebration or any other uh, key important details that folks should know about the 30-year anniversary. Yeah, and as far as uh, that goes, it's uh, definitely an exciting time this summer. Uh, It's the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, That was signed into law back in 1990 by President uh, George H.W. Bush. And in recognition of the 30-year anniversary, the DNR is working on highlighting and uh, updating a listing of accessible um, recreation opportunities that are offered throughout the state, speaking with other accessibility team members, they are actively working on uh, getting an updated list of some of the celebrations that are going to be occurring um, through this year-long celebration uh, for the Americans with Disabilities Act. And uh, just for those that are unaware, it's uh, an act that provides civil rights protections to individuals with disabilities, uh, very similar to those that are provided like on other basis of race, color, sex, national origin, age, and religion. And uh, this year, with it being the 30th anniversary um, and a lot of events that have been uh, canceled or put on hold due to social distancing and so forth, the best thing I could tell people right now is to sign up for our email alerts at uh, mi.gov slash DNR or keep an eye on that mi.gov slash DNR accessibility because you will find a special events listing that is down in the bottom right-hand corner of the page. And as events are rescheduled or able to be held, they will most certainly be updated on there for the 30th anniversary celebration that will be taking place. Well, thank you so much, Ryan and Kristen, for joining us today. It was really great talking with you. Don't go anywhere. Next up, we will answer your questions from the mailbag. Is it time to renew the license plate on your car or truck? When that moment arrives, show your support for Michigan elk and conservation by getting the wildlife habitat plate at the Secretary of State. 2018 was the 100th year since the reintroduction of elk to the state of Michigan. And while the elk have been here for over a century, this plate is only available for a limited time. So don't miss out. Visit mi.gov slash elf and click on the license plate for more information. Welcome back. Now it's time for us to answer your questions from our mailbag. One, two, three. So Heather wrote in asking about deer regulations and hunting dates for the 2020 deer hunting seasons. So the deer regulations have not yet been voted on by the Natural Resources Commission. Uh, They had their June 11th meeting and decided to postpone the vote on the proposed deer regulation changes. So they'll be deciding on those at the July 16th meeting. The postponement will allow more time for public input and consideration of the proposed changes. So you can learn more about those changes um, that have been proposed at michigan.gov slash deer and visit michigan.gov slash NRC for the commission meeting schedule and agendas. Speaking of deer hunting, I also received a deer-related question in the mailbag. Mike asked when they can apply for an antlerless tag. Uh, So the antlerless application period will be open a little later this month. You can apply beginning on July 15th 
and the application period will be open through August 15th. Uh, once quotas are decided and the deer hunting regulations are finalized, that information will be posted at michigan.gov slash deer, and you can apply online at michigan.gov slash DNR licenses. Uh, drawing results will be posted in early September. And speaking of drawing results, I got a question from Joseph, who is asking where he can find his bear drawing results. Uh, bear drawing results are available on July 6th. You can check your results at michigan.gov forward slash bear. You also can find drawing statistics, check your preference points, or see if there are any leftover licenses available. Elk drawing results will also be available on July 6th. You can find those results at michigan.gov forward slash elk. And hunters who were drawn for an elk license will receive a packet of detailed information in the mail about the mandatory elk hunt orientation and other important details. Those lucky, lucky elk license winners. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Luckily, there's a few more licenses that will be issued this year. So 260 Yahoo! successful applicants this year. It's very exciting. <laughs> Now is your opportunity to win a Wild Talk podcast mug. As a thank you to our listeners, we'll be giving away a mug or two every episode. Yes, and we have our first winners. Uh, the June mug winners are David Funk and Andy Wagner. Yay, David. congratulations. Woohoo! <laughs> David and Andy, if you're listening, check your email as we'll be getting in touch with you soon. They both answered our June question of what is the small appendage resembling a mini elephant trunk and a wild turkey's beak called? The answer is a snood. S-N-O-O-D is such a bizarre word. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations, David and Andy. Mm -hmm. So to be entered into the drawing this month, test your wildlife knowledge and answer our wildlife quiz question. This month's question is... What bird goes by the nicknames of Thunder Pumper or Water Belcher? Hmm. <laughs> so bizarre. All right. If you happen to know what that animal is, please email your name and answer to us at dnr-wildlife at michigan.gov to be entered for a chance to win the mug. Be sure to include the subject line as mug me and submit your answers by July 15th. We'll announce winners on next month's podcast, so be sure to listen in to see if you've won and for the next quiz question. Good luck, everybody. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, and uh, I have one final question for us. Shirley sent in a turtle photo for identification as she thought it might be a rare species. And Shirley was fortunate to have found a Blanding's turtle, which is a species of special concern here in Michigan. And we really appreciate reports of Blanding turtles, box turtles, and wood turtles that are species of special concern. Uh, we also appreciate reports of the spotted turtle, which is listed as a state-threatened species. If you've spotted one of these turtles, please take a moment to let us know by visiting michigan.gov slash eyes in the field and select the reptiles and amphibians category. 
You can also upload any photos of the turtle through this reporting form. Reporting helps us track these rare turtle populations in Michigan and helps inform conservation decisions throughout the state. You can also report any reptile and amphibian sightings you may have through the Michigan Herp Atlas at miherpatlas.org. We'll include links in our show notes, as always. As we zip this segment to a close, remember, if you have questions about wildlife or hunting, you can call 517-284-WILD or email dnr-wildlife at michigan.gov. Your question could be featured on our next mailbag. geese, not Canadian geese. A lot of people call them Canadian geese, but they're actually called Canada geese. Canada geese can be found throughout the whole state, but are most common in the southern third of the state. Canada geese are super adaptable, so it's no surprise that you can find them in neighborhoods or city park ponds, um, at the shopping mall, and nesting in parking lots and all those kinds of places. They're just about everywhere. While it's exciting to see such large, beautiful birds, they can also be aggressive when protecting their nests or their young. Geese are attracted to areas with open water and are especially fond of well-manicured lawns along the water's edge. Short, fertilized lawns provide feeding opportunities as well as plenty of visibility to watch for potential danger. If you have geese in your area and aren't fond of having them around, try making your yard less attractive to them by allowing the grass to grow longer, especially along the water's edge. Avoid fertilizing and watering it as this makes the grass lush and more appealing to a hungry goose. A lot of us have really awesome goose habitat with our lush lawns and neighborhood ponds and (laughs) things like that. Um, But you can use some hazing techniques or scare tactics to frighten geese away if if you're not wanting to have them around. You can try using noisemakers like shell crackers, bird bangers, and screamers that make noise to scare them away. Um, You can also you know, bang pots and pans or something like that. You can also try motion detection accessories, bird scare balloons, mylar scare tape. You could even cut up strips of a mylar, like a silver mylar balloon to use as well. Um, And you can also use plastic flagging. So when those things blow around in the breeze, they flash and make noise and, and tend to scare the birds away. So basically anything that makes a loud noise or is flashy will deter these birds. Got it. If you're unable to uh, put up reflective materials or have sound devices, this time of year, Canada geese are molting and are unable to fly. So you can help keep them out of your lawn by putting up a temporary fence or a barrier between your yard and the water. Uh, This should prevent them from coming up onto your lawn. And it's very important to remember to not intentionally feed the geese as it just attracts them to your area and could cause them to get accustomed to people and will be harder to scare them off in the future. It's also important to note that the food you feed them, particularly bread products, could cause them harm in their digestive systems. And if you know of a nesting area, try to give the geese plenty of space and avoid that particular spot. But if you have to walk past a group of geese or a nesting area, carry an umbrella with you that you can gently open and close at the geese to scare them away from you as you are walking past. Geese can be a little uh, 
a little aggressive at times. So <laughs> yes, and they're large birds. So I I definitely you know if I see them, I try and steer clear and give them their space. Yes. Good idea. If you are in an area where hunting is allowed, there are special goose hunting seasons established in cooperation with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So there's an early hunt in September and then late hunts in January and February. And then, of course, they can be hunted during the regular hunting season in uh, October, November and December. Hunting can be an effective tool to control goose populations and might be something for you to consider. You can find detailed information on waterfowl hunting at michigan.gov slash waterfowl. Thank you for helping us keep Michigan's wildlife wild, and we will see you next month. This has been the Wild Talk Podcast, your monthly podcast airing the first of each month and offering insights into the world of wildlife across the state of Michigan. You can reach the Wildlife Division at 517-284-9453 or dnr-wildlife at michigan.gov.